To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Davis Podcast, episode 31. We back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, right back down here, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, you name it, we doing it. Appreciate everybody's viewership and their love and support. Up to this point, man, we just getting started, man. We're going to keep doing this thing big. Oh, man, we got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to talk about today. A lot of NBA news. The league is back hot and heavy off the All-Star break. We got a lot of hot games to talk about. We're going to get into some NBA news. We're going to talk about some high games. We're going to get into uh, the Clippers. Uh, <laughs> they they up and downs. We're going to talk about the Celtics and the Nets, how the Nets keep rolling. Uh, the Wizards and Bucks had an interesting game. We're going to talk about that, uh, what happened between Giannis and uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, the Pacers and the Suns had a really good one as well. And Pacers off a back-to-back and uh, gave the Suns everything they needed in that particular game. So, uh, yeah, that was going to be a good one. Uh, talk about Steph Curry. We're going to get into uh, his rise and uh, what his chances are to win MVP. Uh, it, was, it was a milestone happening on Saturday. We're going to talk about five triple-doubles that happens on Saturday. Uh, talk about Joel Embiid. We'll get into that in his news of his injury. And thankfully, he's not hurt, uh, you know, I guess you can say long-term, but uh, he definitely out for a little while, so we'll talk about that. Get into the Nets as well. We're going to talk about their chances and how they look uh, without KD. Uh, talk about the Atlanta Hawks as well. The Atlanta Hawks are actually undefeated right now uh, after the coach firing, so we'll talk about them. I'll get into a few players' spotlights. We'll talk about a few players. We want to talk about it's going to meteoric rise. We're going to get into that. Um, we'll talk about COVID news and NBA. Then we're going to see the NFL. We, uh, Drew Brees retired this weekend, and uh, we will give a quick shout out to him and his accomplishments and his uh, what he meant to the Chargers and the Saints organizations. Talk about uh, Evil Bill. Uh, Evil Bill had having a time in free agency. Man, he's just out here throwing fun coupons like he's Wolf of Wall Street. You know, he's signing any and everybody that will come to play in New England. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Bears and how they really, really want Russell Wilson, but can they pull it off? Uh, we'll talk about Dak Prescott's contract and what it means for Dallas. And then we're going to get hot and heavy into all this free agent news. All this free agent news is going on in the league, and it's hot and heavy, man. There's a lot of guys staying home, a lot of guys going elsewhere. The landscape of the NFL changes every year, and it's so interesting, man. You know, this is a big time, uh, you know, for NFL and uh, their sports news and all the transactions. You know, of course, anything's, nothing's official until Wednesday, but the news has been breaking right now is it's amazing. And how the teams are changing their fortunes and, and trying to compete next year is going to be real good. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about updated cap room and who's uh, got money still. And then we'll follow up again once again with the Deshaun Watson uh, ordeal in this debacle. Uh, the Texans keep making moves, but they don't make any moves for Deshaun. I don't get it. Are they trying to make him happy? You know, trying to convince him to stay? I don't know what they're doing, but we'll talk about it. Then we'll get into Lakers locker room. We'll get into uh, what we looking like in the past week with our two games against the Pacers and the Warriors and what we think is uh, needed to change and what's been good about the team so far. We'll give an AD update and how we feel like he's going to come back and win. And then we'll get into our uh, upcoming games uh, the next week, and we'll talk about that. Then we get to the fourth quarter closeout. We'll do our breakout players of the week, lockdown the finish of the week, and big demo week. Get ready for that one because it's going to be a good one. So let's get into who's the news, man. Let's get it. So let's talk who's in the news. Uh, start with the NBA. Man, there's a lot of things going on, and uh, I'm feeling the energy is a little bit different uh, in the NBA after the All-Star break, man. I guess people are starting to make that push for uh, the offseason. You know, they're playing a little bit different, a little bit different energy, man. Um, definitely games I'm thinking, you know, prediction-wise should go one way. It's starting to go a little bit different. Uh, you know, the top seeds are, you know, bending a little bit, you know, outside of 76s, but we'll get into NBA's news in a little bit, but... Um, but to start with the Nets, the Nets played the Celtics uh, high games this week in one of the high games. I was expecting it to be a pretty decent uh, uh, game, you know, with uh, at least with KD being out. You know, they had that third gun, but Kyrie didn't feel that way. <laughs> you know, just with a play, Kyrie didn't feel that way. He gave him 40, you know, in a route. 
you know, they rolled over the Celtics yet again without KD. And, you know, it's, it's really scary about the Nets, man. Like I said, they are winning in dominant fashion without KD. So imagine, it, I just can't see because KD to me was the really the man that was the one that was going to make it work regardless. Like, you know, you had issues about Harden and, and, and Kyrie just saying, that, you know, maybe they won't blend well, right? But yeah, KD wasn't the one that was the issue. Nobody pointed to, you know, I guess you could say pointed at it being an issue with KD saying that he wouldn't work with any of those two other guys. So with KD coming back makes me believe that they're going to be that more dominant, which is scary. You know, at least in the regular season. It's really scary. It's definitely scary for the East. You know what I mean? But they, another thing, too, they're not rushing the back. They're taking in a very cautious stance with his injury. You know, they're definitely pushing his uh, comeback back at least another couple of weeks. So, I mean, but it's not like it's not like the Nets are missing a beat. You know, and, and who's looking at um, – them as a potential suitor if they get bought out in the next couple of weeks in the trade deadline. So, you know, Andre Drummond, P.J. Tucker, and, and those group of guys are in, going to be in the win most likely. And, you know, could they join the Nets? Could they join the Lakers, the Clippers? Somebody that it looks like they can help them win or, you know, get them to the playoffs and things of that nature. They, somebody can be assets to a good championship contending team. So it would be interesting in that regard as well. But, you know, I, 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 give, I give props to the Celtics, man. But, you know them Tatum and, and Brown are young man, and I and I always say that you know, the maturation process is slow. You know, just for being the predominant leader of an organization, and and I get I go back to saying about Kim Walker again. I just need better production from him. Being a thirty year old vet, you know, he needs to lead them boys. You know, they don't need to be the ones shouldering all the all the uh, I guess you can say load from a basketball perspective when it comes down to playing night in and night out and they're producing at a higher rate than he is, you know, I just, he needs to be a vocal leader. You know, I just imagine, I, I speak this guy's praise all the time. But imagine if, uh, if so does that Chris Paul, you know, a leader like that, you know, you need a guy like that is going to basically, you know, galvanize the troops, you know, because right now, Kimber ain't the guy, you know, I just, I just, I just don't have a lot of faith in him, get them getting above where they sit right now for the simple fact that, that you know the leader that they need they don't have you know so i mean i just i just see the something sinking to brown about the fourth or fifth seed most likely and making the playoffs but i mean i don't make i don't got them making any any noise up in the i guess as far as beating the first four teams and i think that if you had to if i had to pick i would say the 76 is the nets the bucks and I, the fourth seed is kind of iffy if folks see any kind of iffy for me, I mean, it could be the Nets. I mean, it could be the Celtics. It could be, um, who knows? I mean, the Knicks are actually, you know, in the mix right now too. But, you know, I, you know, it's tough. I mean, the top four, top three, top four, you know, I, I would say, I guess if I had to bet on it, we said the Celtics would be the top four. But I don't think they could be the top three, you know, in a seven-game series especially. So, you know, like I said, the Nets rolled over the, over the Celtics yet again. Kyrie gave him 40. And they just pick and choose. Like, you know, Kyrie said, well, this is going to be my game. Why well, have a good offensive explosion? Then James Harden's like, all right, I'm going to drop a triple-double tonight. You know, and then whatever we do uh, is going to aid in us winning and winning big. So definitely shout-outs to the Nets, man, for keep rocking and rolling, man. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the Wizards and the Bucks. So this game was unique to me because, um, you know, I, I, I would if I was a betting man, I would pick, I'd pick the Bucks obviously, to win the game, right? But it was a unique game. It was a battle. Giannis and, and Russell Westbrook could just go and pillar the post when it came to scoring, assisting, and rebounding. <laughs> Both these jokers had triple doubles, respectively, in the game, like on each side of the ball. Like, so was there no basketball, you know, defensive basketball playing played? I mean, what, what's happening? You know, I, I just didn't understand, you know, what was going on. But, you know, they, they are known, widely known for having uh, <laughs> triple doubles, you know, and they definitely, you know, showed out their talents this week. 
and gave us every bit of, you know, uh, a show. Hey, give every bit of a show comes down to, you know, winning. Uh, the Bucks ended up winning at the end, but, you know, they went back and forth, you know, first quarter to the fourth. It wasn't a, you know, a game that was just a complete blowout, and all of a sudden, you know, it was a, it was close to the end. It was just, it was really a good game, you know, from start to finish. You know, so the Wizards came out on the short end, but, um, but yeah, I definitely was a very, very excited to see a guy on each side of the ball have a triple double. And, you know, like I said, it was, it came down to the wire. Definitely a good game, but, you know, the Bucks pulled out the victory. So, so let's talk about those Pacers in the Suns, how they defeated the Suns on a back to back. They played the Lakers Friday night, and then they turned around and played the Suns on Saturday night, and they ended up beating the Suns. Uh, Sabonis was special in this game. He definitely, uh, definitely was the one was the catalyst in, in, in pushing them forward. And I always look at the games like this to say that the first thing I look for when I look at the score is that who played and who didn't. Were they at full strength? You know, a lot of times when the Clippers lose, it's like, well, it was Kawhi or Paul George or somebody like that out. It was Devin Booker out, Chris Paul, you know, Donovan Mitchell or the Jazz lose. But, you know, but they were full strength and the, the, the Pacers still beat them. You know, I... It, you know, I wonder, you know, I wonder about these things, you know, it's because they were rested. The Suns were rested. The Pacers played back-to-backs, and they ended up beating the Suns, you know, in pretty decent fashion. So what's that about? You know, I mean, I, like I said, I always still give credit for the Suns for being veteran-led versus the Jazz. I'm a little leery about the Jazz because they're so young of an inexperienced team. But, you know, I mean, it was could have been just an outlying situation. But, you know, like I said, I'm just seeing teams having different energy. The Pacers played the Lakers tough. Although the Lakers pulled, pulled it out of victory in the end, but they and they, they took the Suns to the brink and beat them, you know, in the in very next night. So what's that really mean about the Suns? We have to watch and see, but it's something to pay attention to because teams that were hot in the first half, you know, are being a little bit inconsistent this first week back. So, you know, keep an eye on it. Definitely keep an eye on it. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, I guess you can say upsets, uh, the Pelicans, <laughs> the Pelicans rolled over the Clippers on Sunday. They rolled over the Clippers on standing, beat them by 20. Beat them by 20. And the Clippers were that full stream. Just like I alluded to earlier about it was somebody out. They they were definitely uh dominant in this fashion. And they took them to the brink. They got out on them in the first quarter and they just steadied the pace in the entire second, third, and the fourth quarter. And they beat them by 20. <laughs> yeah. Belling is a real man. I think still think they one player away. I think they one player away from being truly you know i guess you can say a contending type team but i feel like they go they can make the playoffs you know and they were dang they'll be dangerous playing the way they playing if they play the way they played against the clippers against everybody in the playoffs they could be a tough out i definitely give them credit for that i feel like they might be this year's mavericks where they'll be a tough out you know where they would uh people wouldn't give them much of a chance going against a top end team but look what they did to the clippers you know again you know everybody got different energy and i feel like the pels are trending up you know, just like I feel like the Bucks are trending up. The Pacers are, you know, they're trending in different directions. I can't really say they're trending up, but they're playing well night in and night out. It's just them closing that out games. They couldn't close the Lakers out because they had the opportunity to beat us, to be honest with you, but they didn't close us out. But they definitely closed the Suns out. So, yeah, I mean, the Pelicans are definitely playing good ball, and Zion is getting better by the day. I'm just saying. You know, imagine if he gets keep getting if he keeps ascending to these levels that he's ascending to. Now, imagine what he's gonna be like. In the, he's gonna be handful in the playoffs. I'm just gonna say it. He's gonna be handful. It's gonna be really hard to stop that free train. I'm just saying. So, uh, so speaking of uh, Western teams, you know, and I guess you can say it was a special day on Sunday because Steph Curry's birthday was on Sunday, and uh, 
as a as a as a early birthday present for him, you know, he definitely decided to uh, give the Jazz the business. And again, that goes back to the inconsistency. Like this is the Jazz was playing hot basketball in the first half, and they're kind of up and down. So Steph, you know, gave him I want to say like thirty five in this game, and it beat the Jazz by twelve. Yeah. So uh, again, what happened to the Jazz? They were full strength as well. It wasn't nobody missing, you know. And they did. They got good production out of their lead dogs, but. You know, it was, what was different about this game is that Wiseman contributed, Draymond contributed with a triple-double. Uh, Steph clearly had his numbers. He shot from like well, like six or nine or three, something crazy like that. And what uh, <laughs> I said, so what I say, Wiseman, uh, Draymond, Steph, of course, and, uh, and Wiggins. I believe Wiggins contributed as well. So that's what they need to do. And I think I've said this before. You know, Wiseman and those boys have to contribute on a nightly basis. You know, and, and of course they played the Lakers last night, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, they have to contribute on a night in our base and give Steph some help because you don't have Clay. You know, because normally we just rely, him and Clay will rely on each other, and the other boys can play off of him. Because, you know, clearly them two were together a handful. But what's the issue is that the supporting role players aren't filling their role. I mean, just, just put it brass. You know, they're just not filling their role night in and night out. And you might get production from Draymond and Wiseman and those boys on one night, and then the next night you don't see them. You know, so that's got to change. You know, and if they if they can shore that up, they can again they could be a uh, low end AC playoff team. Again, they're scary. Do you want to really see Steph Curry in the playoffs? Do you really want to have, have that problem? You know, the way he's shooting it right now is just amazing. You know, I think he's even at a higher level than he thinks that he's been having in his past years. Like he, this is he's he's sent it to a different level, a different stratosphere when it comes to his shooting, and I think it's it's amazing to watch. You know, so if he can continue that. And be hot like that going to the playoffs. Ooh, watch out! As the top end teams, like I said, you know, I mean, I I, I called, I kind of called it like, you know, talking about the Pelicans and talking about the Suns, you know, it being the top seed and Jasmine the top seed, and you know, and speaking of the Warriors as well, they let's say the Pelicans and the Warriors are seven eight seed, and they got to play the Suns and the Jazz first round. That could be an interesting matchup because those are two hot teams, and do they really match up well against them? And could they be early exit? You know, a top seed could take an early exit off of upset. I'm just saying, it's possible. It's highly possible. So don't don't sleep. You know, because you sleep, you get beat. I always say that. You sleep, you get beat. So again, for his birthday, he gave the Jazz a business and won, and he won by twelve. So uh, the rare the rare air and rare feat uh, that happened on Saturday, we had. Five players hit triple doubles on one night, which is crazy. And all four out of the five got victories out of out of the deal. Uh, uh, so I talked about Giannis and Russ; they had it. Uh, Julius Randle uh, was one that had it, and uh, which was uh, I think the next one uh, Saturday. Clearly, they, they got beat by the uh, Clippers. No, they got beat by the Nets on Monday, but. Yeah, so you had Westbrook, you had Giannis, Harden dropped the triple-double, Sabonis dropped the triple-double, and like I said, that was key in the victory I just spoke of. And then Randall had a triple-double as well, so and the Pacers won, the Knicks won, the Bucks won, and the uh, the Nets won. So only person that uh, didn't get a victory out of the triple-double was Westbrook, but he definitely played a great game, you know, so that was a very feat of having five triple-doubles in one night. So uh, let's get on to the news about the 76ers. Of course, uh, on, I want to say Friday night, Joel Embiid uh, went down with an injury against the Wizards, and um, and it looked bad. I mean, I'm going to sit here and act like it didn't. I tweeted about it. I was a little concerned because I'm like, man, this man can't catch a break because he's definitely playing at the MVP level, and if he had the vote today, he would be my MVP. And I was like, man, please don't be hurt. 
you know, significantly where you won't come back at all for this season, you know, because I mean, him being uh, a really tall gentleman, you know, it's just, it's rough when you go down with those injuries and you have lower leg injuries because they definitely affect you differently than they, as a big man, as they do, rather than they do a guy's smaller guard. So it was rough, man. But luckily, you know, if it doesn't seem like it's any structural damage, it's a bone bruise. So he'll be out about two or three weeks. And, you know, if we had to analyze, you know, what was going to happen with their games in the next two, two and a half weeks, they, they, they're okay. They won their first game without him. Uh, I want to say they beat the Bulls, but they played the Knicks twice um, coming up. They got the Bucks, which is a tough game. Then they played the Kings. Then they got the Warriors. Then didn't, didn't they have a tough one against the Lakers and the Clippers. So, I mean, if I had to say, I would, I would say that one, two, three, four. So that makes five. They can get five out of those games. So they don't maybe only lose three. So going to five and three without Embiid, that's not bad. I mean, yeah, I still feel like regardless of what the sentences did or didn't do with and with or without Embiid, that the way the Nets are playing, they and they haven't even got KD back right now. I think they would still probably ascend to the number one seed. It'll be close, but I think that the Nets will probably take the one seed and the sentences will probably be close too. But so I mean, I mean, that's not the end of the world. You know, nobody wins anything. Nobody gives you a trophy for regular season. So who cares if you wanted to? I mean, it didn't, the end result is you'll see each other in the, in the conference finals if if it all shakes out the way it's supposed to. So. That being said, you know, I think that they they can tread water. I think that what's going to end up happening and how it's going to affect um, the teams that Steph Curry is going to have to step up. And he had a good game uh, a, night, a couple nights ago against the Bulls. So he had a good game. He shot well. Him and Steph, ironically, <laughs> shot well on the same night. I think it actually was Sunday night. So Sunday, they both had great, great shooting nights, ironically, both of them on different spectrums. So if Seth Curry steps up and plays more minutes and gets um, and contributes offensively, that'll be great for them. And the, the key is Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is going to have to show the more more of the uh, uh, offense when it comes down to uh, picking up the slack for Joel and why he's gone. You know, like I said, and then they got winnable games in this front. Like it's going to be tough against the Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers. But I feel like that you know outside of that, they can have those games uh, against the Knicks and the uh, twice, and they get the Kings in there and the Warriors. Assuming it'll be interesting to see Steph and, and, and Steph go against each other. That's gonna be interesting too. This is a caveat, but I think that's they have they they can have a, a much above five hundred record going into uh, getting him back potentially after that uh, injury break. So yeah, I mean if you had to have it a uh, injury like this right now, it's kind of the best time to have it because you don't have a, a extremely high stretch of games and it's not as close to the end of the season yet as possible. So. You know, I mean, hope he gets better soon and, you know, rush, don't rush him back. You know, get him back healthy. And, you know, it's, it sucks because he might lose out on the MVP because of the amount of games he's going to miss at this point. But I'd much rather have him healthy and, and make a long run in the playoffs versus worrying about winning the accolade, you know, if your ultimate goal is to help your team. So, you know, for the game itself, it's better to have him healthy for the playoffs than worrying about rushing him back to win MVP, which he may not win because he's, he's going to be out of regardless for a few weeks. So it is what it is. So let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks, man. <laughs> I, I I kept my eye on this because I was curious about how they were going to do. Because I I spoke in length about this in previous podcasts about the fact that they are a good team. Like on paper, they're a really good team, and they were underperforming in my eyes. You know, and I was like, well, uh, what you know, what's the problem? Like, what's happening? Why are they not playing at the level they should be playing? You know, with with uh, with Trey Young leading the way, Clint Capella, and and those boys. So I'm like. What's the issue? You know, what's going on? So, and ironically enough, you know, and this is pre-All-Star break and, and after. They're 5-0 and after they fired their coach. You know, when they made Millen taking over, you know, which calls the question too. And I'm going to bring this point up just real quick. 
They fired Nate McMillan from his previous job, right? And we're not gonna get into the whole brass tax of it and, and, the, and the politics that were, went on in that firing, right? Because I still don't think it was warranted. But regardless, him being an assistant, ascending to the head coaching job here now, he has a team at 5-0 and undefeated right now. And, you know, they got a nice stretch of games coming up here where they're really going to be able to prove their mettle. Now, they got the Rockets first. Uh, they play the Rockets first, then they can play the Thunder. But then they get the Lakers and Clippers back-to-back. So those two games on the back end of this stretch could really tell you whether or not this team is doing better with a different coach versus, you know, having the coaches they had. So... If they if they make it out of the stretch, two and two, three and one, or four and zero, oh, you know I'm heaven forbid that we don't, they don't lose. They they beat the Lakers, but regardless, if they come out of the stretch with a above five hundred record, man, I'm, it's it's a, it's really telling. It's really telling about uh, what they really needed and how they need being coached. Because you looking at you know five, six, seven, maybe eight and zero oh, since the coach been fired. Just saying. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, so let's get into a few player spotlights before we move over to the NFL. Um, I want to talk about Sabonis. I want to talk about Norman Powell. And I want to talk about LaMelo Ball uh, real quick as my player spotlights for the week. Now, <laughs> Sabonis, like I talked about before, he flirted with uh, a triple-double um, and beating the Suns, obviously. But um, he clearly had a triple-double, obviously. I, I, let, I, let, I let that... Uh, I let that um, out before, you know, talking about his, his performance against the Suns. But he's been flirting with averaging a triple-double is, I guess, what I'm driving at uh, since the All-Star break uh, ended. So, you know, he's been really, really special. You know, now, can he, you know, keep this going? And can he allow for this to be a norm for him is the question. But I, I'm definitely here to say that he's been playing a lot of good basketball, you know, from uh, – that you know, slight rest that they've gotten to now, you know, off the All Star break. So you know, it's what would what would the Pacers hover around? What, how would the Pacers finish? Is the question. Like, what you know, with that team playing the way they're playing, like so they gave the Lakers a really good game, although they didn't win. They gave the Suns a really good game. So we talking about two top end teams that they've been playing well against. You know, so how would they fare in the East? You know, playing against the 76ers with a healthy Embiid, and how are they going to play against the Nets? You know, is a question because I mean they started off hot; they were like third or fourth in the, in the East, and they kind of floundered down to the fifth or sixth. But if they keep playing like this, I mean, especially against West teams, you know, and they get those victories, you know, who's to say that they won't be, you know, in the upper echelon? Maybe they'll be before and they'll knock themselves off the four and be five and make Celtics five or six. So I'm I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna keep watching because the Pacers are really. Interesting team because, like I said, they have some good players, but can they put it all together? You know, because I say that kid Brogdon. <laughs> Brogdon is an animal. Like, he don't get a lot of notoriety, but he's another one. He's another one. I literally watched him light us up in the first half when he played against Lakers on Friday, and I was like, wow, this kid is good. Like I said, literally watching all of him and Devin Booker playing against us because, like, we're a really good defensive team, and they make it look easy. You know, I really think that he's a really good player, and him, him and Sabonis feeding off each other. And Sabonis is sneaky strong, you know, in in, in the post and things of that nature, and the way he can definitely shoot, obviously. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice little tandem, nice little tandem. I really feel like they need another piece to be really, really good and really uh, uh, dominant, but as a team. But overall, <laughs> very, very good performances from him this week. So we definitely give him shots out for uh, being special against the Suns and basically almost, you know, just an inkling from away from averaging triple doubles since All Star break. Now, Norman Powell. Norman Powell's been playing well. Now, but our only problem is that the Toronto Raptors can't seem to get a win. 
<laughs> like he's been really special this in the past uh since all star break. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna just gonna say this is all star break. You know, he's had some good performances, but the problem is again the Raptors can't seem to buy one, <laughs> you know, when it comes to victories, man. I just I'm just not sure what's going on. I mean, they've been you know, they've been really I guess you can say, you know, uh, proficient defensively for the most part, but overall, they just came by one, man. <laughs> like just came by one again. I like, lost to Chicago big on Sunday, and I'm just like, man, I just, I just can't get right, boss. Just can't get right. But again, Norman was special. You know, I got to give him credit where credit is due. You know, and then since the All Star break, they've been, uh, they lost all three of their games, but. Norman has put up 30 points in two out of three, you know? So, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's been, it's been good performances, but they just haven't been able to string together no victories. They lost to the Hawks by one. They lost to the Hornets by 10 and they lost to the Bulls by shoot 21. No, excuse me. More than that. 23. So ugh. again, he had 32 in that game, but they, they lose. So, you know, I mean, he's been playing good ball. It just can't seem to train. It does train lead to victory. That's the problem. But yeah, but shout out to Noah Powell playing good ball this week. And the last guy I want to talk about is Lamelo. Lamelo, man, he has that Hornets team playing well, and it's weird to say, you know, is he he's the best of the ball brothers, but it's looking like it because he does a lot of what was the issue or the knock on Lonzo and 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 Jello. Because, you know, they were saying Lonzo really can't shoot. You know, he's a really good distributor, decent defender, but he can't shoot. You know, he's a really good facilitator, you know, good point guard, but he doesn't shoot well. Lamelo seems like he shoot well, you know, but, you know, and he's a great floor general, great passer, you know, very quick, very elusive. So, man, I mean, he's it's really his rookie of the year award to lose, in my opinion. You know, it's just, I mean, who's going to contest? I mean, why isn't playing good as well? But he's not playing at the level Lamelo is. And the way he's shooting from three, here lately too is I mean honestly truly sneaky sneaky tell Lonzo's shooting the ball from three really well too you know in an outlier situation like it's not a norm for him but he's shooting the ball well from three here lately now can he continue to sustain it overall you know get better at it as, as time goes on it's called I call that into question because he wasn't a good shooter early but Lamelo came out shooting the ball well from from the get go so you know it's just a question of what the what the uh, Hornets are going to do to build around him man because I think him and Terry Rozier are a good nice little tandem up there but. You know, they need a couple more players. I think they need a couple more players. And can MJ do it and put some good pieces around his young talent and nurture him and, and build around him and, and be a good competitive team? But I like the way LaMelo Ball is playing, man. It's looking really good for him. Looking really good. like it. I like it. So let's wrap up the NBA segment real quick. I think that uh, it's good news to say that there's no significant new COVID news this week. Uh, you know, some people were in contact tracing like Marcus Allen and a few other people that were lingering from last week. But there's no new games canceled or, or people that aren't meeting the requirement to play and things like that. So there's no new rampant cases or, or things ramping up for the NBA this week. So that's good news. So hopefully we can continue with that bit of good news for that. But um, but yes, but that's going to wrap up the NBA segment, man. We're going to get into this NFL, man. The NFL got a lot to talk about, man. Let's move on to the NFL. So now let's talk NFL. NBA always got news when we're in midseason, but the NFL this week is special because free agency is starting to ramp up. And, of course, we had some different uh, transactions that happened prior to this. Some teams being franchise tag and some people, some teams pulling out the franchise tag, obviously, and some teams uh, announcing early deals for people to stay with teams. But whew, <laughs> Monday especially was a wild day. 
clearly the Patriots stole the show. <laughs> they did. Clearly they stole the show. But we can't start NFL news without uh, giving his appreciation and shouts out to Drew Brees. He announced his retirement on Sunday on Instagram, and uh, it's been a hell of a 20-year career. Drafted by the Chargers in the 32nd pick overall um, in a 2001 draft. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed him as being the Chargers quarterback, and I um, definitely still say to this day that I still wish he was the Chargers quarterback, and I feel like our fortunes might have been a little bit different um, in the team, certain teams we had had we kept them. You know, and I, I kind of get the, the business, you know, decision. I'm I'm thinking the Spanos family probably kicking themselves for letting him go, knowing that he became who he became. But at the time, you know, it was 2005 time frame, and he has, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, him getting uh, tackled and rolled up on his shoulder, and then his, uh, his throwing shoulder got beat up really, really bad. Uh, and um, they weren't even sure at that particular juncture. I mean, I'm not sure exactly where medicine was at that particular uh, time frame, but they weren't sure whether or not he was going to be able to throw again, you know, and be effective. You know, he had surgery on it and doctors assured him that he would be okay, but you had doubts. And do you sink uh, franchise level money in, you know, franchise quarterback level money into a guy that we are unsure, you know, so <clears throat> he went into free agency and even got a deal with Miami. I think Nick Saban was there at the time and Nick Saban was, was curious about it. So they backed out of the deal that they gave him. They, they put money on the table for him to have, to sign with Miami when Saban was there. And he, he balked on that because he wasn't sure about Drew Brees' shoulder either. So lo and behold, he lands in the Saints lap, you know, and he, the rest is history, you know, record-breaking history. You know, he's one or two in every statistical category passing-wise that matters. You know, I, you know, it was him and Tom Brady going back and forth about the major records, but, you know, they're one and two. So clearly, you know, passing-wise, the more, probably the most accurate quarterback to ever play the game. You know, definitely, you know, a uh, trendsetter. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I was, you know, super critical of him in the, in the previous weeks in, in during the beginning of the season when he uttered these clearly tone-deaf comments about, you know, racial injustice and how he felt about certain, you know, avenues of how people were protesting and why they were protesting and things of that nature and what he would do in their space and all that good jazz. And I clearly, you know, gave him – a, a good talking to over my podcast about this, you know, because Drew was, been, was my guy. Like I said, I would still wish he was the Chargers quarterback to this day. I wish he'd retired as a Charger, but, you know, Saints have had him. I'm sure he'd retire as a Saint. And, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, no knock on Philip Rivers, but I just feel like overall, I think Drew Brees was a much better leader, you know, when it comes down to, uh, you know, being that guy that can get you, and move you forward, you know, because he dealt with all the things he had to do with in, in New Orleans, Katrina, and, you know, he, Brought them back, you know, galvanized the team and and put it, you know, basically put the team on his back and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. You know, they were always highly competitive, you know, in every year since then. So, you know, definitely a great career. Like I said, you know, his his numbers speak for themselves. You know, I mean, it just it's amazing the amount the amount of uh, I guess you say kudos and accolades he's gotten over this entire stretch of the time he's been a uh, quarterback uh, in the NFL. So definitely wishing well his commentating in his uh, media career, but um. You know, just looking at his numbers, uh, 80,358 yards passing, 571 touchdowns, 13 times a Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champion. He has 172 versus 114 record as a starter. So, <laughs> hey, man, if that ain't Hall of Fame worthy, I don't know what is. So, definitely first ballot in my opinion. So, we're looking at, what, 2026? This is his first eligibility year, so he should get in first ballot. If anybody should get in first ballot, it should be him. You know, as I mean, like I said, I love the guys as a football player. I had a little issues with him, but sexual issues. I'm not going to say I don't. But as a football player, love the guy on the field, man. Shouts out to Drew Brees.
So <laughs> now let's talk about Evil Bill. <laughs> man, oh man. Bill Belichick was very uncharacteristically aggressive in free agency, right? And let's start with a quarterback situation, right? Because I was thinking that, you know, status quo with Drew, with, uh, with Bill and and things that he was going to do, you know? And I broke the news last week that they were really hot and heavy after Jimmy G, right? So um, so it kind of took me back, you know, a little bit when they resigned Cam Newton. You know, I'm not arguing that at all because I love Cam Newton. You know, Cam Newton's my guy. But I was like, well, they wanted Garoppolo back. So maybe when they went to the 49ers with a pitch to say we wanted him, the 49ers were, I guess they made a the decision they weren't going to move off of him just yet. And hopefully that he can stay healthy for a year and and get them back to prominence, right? So they went with the secondary solution, I guess, or the backup plan to re-sign Cam. He's another year in the second year in the system. Should be much better. You know, it just calls into question what they, what was that going to mean? You know, I mean, because he clearly still have any weapons at this point. But a boy, Bill said, here, hold my beer. Because <laughs> so, when I say this man went out and got everybody he could on the first day, like he was – he was snatching up everybody. Like you, you get a jersey. You get a jersey. Yeah, man. Just give everybody a jersey. And I was just amazed by the fact that he made all these moves. And I was like, you know, what got in the bill? But Bill recognized the, the moment. Like he clearly had a down year last year. And then he was like, I gotta stay current. You know, Tom Brady's gone. Not coming back. You know, it's not, it's not happening for me. You know, when it comes down to having a, a Hall of Fame. You know greatest quarterback of all time, you know, guy in my locker room. It's not happening. I'm not going to have that anymore. Cam was a great guy, but he's not Tom Brady. Let's just be honest. So he's like, I got to stay current. I got to revamp this roster. We got this at this, I think at dead, at the point of the free agency market opening or the non-tampering, let me see the non-tampering starting on Monday, they had the second most cap space. So he was like, well, we got to spend it. <laughs> you know, we got to, we got to get better as a team. You know, the, Few savvy moves he made. I mean, he traded Marcus Cannon away. I think the Texans have him now. Uh, Joe Thune left in uh, free agency. Obviously, he's at the Chiefs now. But um, but he got Trent Brown from the Raiders for a song. Like it was very cheap, you know. So that was. I mean, to me, that was good. And then he the first the first news that broke. He got Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith was the Texans. Uh, not excuse me, the Titans tight end for the past several years, and he's definitely a good tight end. You know, so he definitely was missing that since Gronk left. So he got, went on and got him, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's great. And so, you know, where's the receiver? I'm still waiting on that. But he got a, you know, kind of a retooled O-line. So that looks good. Then he got, went on and got Jalen Mills and he got Davin a nose tackle. So he got a corner and a D tackle. Then he went out and got Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. You know, and I'm like, uh, what got in the bill? What got in the bill? I was very, very shocked pleasantly shocked to see him try to uh, seize the moment and realize that he can't compete in this particular uh, conference or even the division for that matter with the, you know, the Bills clearly being better. The Jets are trying to make moves and they're going to spend money. They've been spending money uh, to get better and they got to have draft picks and things of that nature. And clearly the the Dolphins are, you know, Pat's, you know, junior, you know, they they're definitely got a great defense. and They're getting better. Um, so got to feel that quarterback situation, but I was out of that. They're doing well for themselves, so we, we gotta gotta figure it out. Gotta figure it out. So you got a good receiver. I don't know what they're gonna do with the kill Harry, but I still think they need one more. They need another, you know, how value, you know, wide ranging target. You know, like a Kenny Galladay or somebody like that. Um, you know, even maybe even Will Fuller. You know, good speedy guy. You know, somebody that's very. You know, you need a guy that's gonna be reliable for you. I mean, bottom line, 
need that guy. But I mean, the splashes Bill made so far, man, is nothing short of amazing. Nothing short of amazing. You know, like I said, he definitely spent the money, spent it wisely. You know, you got some help on defense and offense alike. And I'm not sure he's done because he still got money left. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shouts out to Evil Bill, man. You know, he's Evil Bill for a reason, and we always say that. He's definitely Evil Bill for a reason. So, got to give him credit where credit's due for doing his thing. Like I said, I wasn't sure what he was going to do. And I'm still curious what he's going to do in the draft. I mean, he's going to try to draft the quarterback, you know, maybe move up. I mean, I don't know. You know, question it. He's hoping that somebody that's good or he wants fall on his lap like a Justin Fields, somebody like that. I don't know. Cam going to be the bridge quarterback, and then you know, he'll build on them. You know, I still think they see another receiver, but they're a lot better today than they were a year ago. So, got to give them credit. They made a lot of moves and spent that money wisely. So, definitely give them credit for that. So, let's talk about the Bears. I mean, the Bears have been really, really public about their desire to acquire Russell Wilson. They've been making calls, and the, the Seahawks haven't been committal about talking about a trade, period. Which, I mean, in my opinion, they shouldn't. You know, you are well, uh, you're much better off. Let's just say it that way. You're much better off with Russell in a Seahawks jersey than without, no matter who you get, Sam Darnold, anybody of that nature, it's a step back, you know. So whatever Pete Carroll needs to do, an honest and true, you know, to talk to Russell Wilson to get him back on board or to make the moves he needs to make, you know, to figure it out, you know, so that relationship isn't severed. That, to me, needs to happen. But. You know, that still doesn't stop the Bears from pursuing him. But my thing is this. How are the Bears going to pull it off if they want Russell? Because they are deeply un over cap right now. And they haven't done any restructuring or people aren't willing to restructure in that regard. You know, that to the point where they haven't been able to free up the money to take on Russell's contract anyway. You know, because the only person that's really noteworthy that could be moved, well, have to be moved, is probably Khalil Mack. You know, so do you, tr you give away your best edge rusher and for Russell? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a tough call, but they've definitely made it clear. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> you in school and you make it clear that you like a girl in school and you just want to do what you got to do to get her. <laughs> you know, they, that's just what you feel like. You know, that's how the Bears feel. Like, we're not making it. We, it's, there's no innuendos. There's no, you know, I, maybe I like you, maybe I don't. I, we want you. <laughs> we like you, we want you. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Choice is yours. So, uh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, what the Bears going to do? I mean, again, my opinion is this. That I think Russell and Pete should have a come-to-Jesus meeting and figure it out, you know, because I think they're better off with each other than without. But what would, what would it be like if Russell was was in Chicago next season? I'm just saying. That's that's definitely something to look look out for. I mean, they're not, they're not being coy about the fact that they want him. So, I mean, that, that goes to the point about Russell and, uh, and Pete's relationship. And I think, see, the problem is that Pete's old school. He has he has a bit of an old man ego, you know. He didn't like the fact that Russell went public about the issues he had. Like, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm sure Russell was smart and decided he wanted to express those issues to Pete himself first. I mean, because Pete's one of those rare uh, coaches that have GM powers like, like Bill Belichick does. So, you know, he pretty much make, has the, the, the entire say-so about what, you know, fulfilling Russell's needs or, or his desires to stay current offensively and get better protection on his old line because I'm not getting any younger, right? So the, 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 that calls into question, you know. So, again, 
you know, Pete is, you know, old man with an old ego. So he's like, I don't like the fact that you were public. We should have kept it in house. This and the third, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. But when I tell you repeatedly, and we're in a relationship, I tell you repeatedly that I want some things to be different and you don't even acknowledge it. Then, you know, that's when you start telling people outside of the relationship, hopefully that, you know, it'll get back to you. You'd be like, well, maybe I need to do something about this because clearly he's becoming public knowledge now. But you know, Bill is definitely, you know, ducking his heels about the idea he didn't like Russell going public and maybe he's considering trading him, which again, to me, is a bad move. It's clearly a bad move. I really feel like that he should not trade him for all the uh, tea in China, you know, and I don't think that he should, you know, do anything but help to mend and fix the relationship and get Russell what he needs to be able to be a successful quarterback. Because like, yeah, like I said, he's in his early 30s, he's not getting younger, you know. All this running around and, and getting sacked the most in the entire league is not going to fly on for long, you know. He don't want to be, you know, to the point where he can't move around and be hobbled, you know, playing quarterback or, or being out the league because he's been getting banged up for his entire career. So he just don't want to do that. You know, again, they look they, re, they learn from the mistakes of others and how they treated Andrew Luck and how Andrew Luck's out of the league already. Don't want to end up like that. So... Gotta gotta heed it, man. Gotta gotta do what you gotta do, Pete. You gotta just bite the bullet and get a man what he wants. You know, you gotta take care of your quarterback. I mean, let's just look at it like this. Look at the entire league. Everybody who's winning and flourishing and won a Super Bowl in the recent history, they've been taking care of their quarterback and giving what they need and what they want to make them be able to do their best they can at their job. And that's what Pete should do. Give Russell what he needs and let's just move forward, man. He needs to be a Seahawk. For the foreseeable future, and I'm hoping that you take these words wisely and say that I'm going to uh, mend the fences and go ahead and and make Russell uh, rein him back in and say, "Hey, let's get it. Let's make it work. Let's make it work. That's all you should do. That's really all you should do." Yeah, man. So hopefully, Peter get it right. So yeah, man. Uh, let's talk about these. Uh, uh, I guess you can say trades, resignings. Let's let's get into this news, man. It's a lot. To discuss a lot of discuss i mean i mean like I said, we talked about bill's moves already right i mean like i said he got trent brown he got nelson he got john Oom, he even got matt judon i didn't mention matt judon matt judon's on defensive end as well the matt judon the matt judon along with Dante howard tower and those boys on that d line that's a good pickup that's a good pickup you got uh you got davin the nails tackle i can't pronounce his last name is g-o-d-c-h-a-u-x i can't pronounce that i'm not gonna act like i can't i'm gonna do it then you got Jalen Mills as a corner that's going to go along with Gilmore. Some of Gilmore's going to stay. And J.C. Jackson, those boys. So, he Bill loves his corners. So, it's definitely looking like they're back. I'm just saying. You know, they they probably one good receiver away in a draft or a free agency left. He's still got money to spend. They're probably one away from really being back and being dominant and making Cam look like the old Cam. I'm just saying. And Colonel Samuels out there, Bill. I mean, I'm just saying. That's Cam, one of the Cam's buddies. So, you know, maybe look at that. But, yeah. I have to say that, you know, Bill made a good splash. He probably made the most dominant, um, you know, shakeups in the free agency market in the past Monday, right? But people are still not giving the Bucks credit where credit is due. And I have to say this, and this is bold take, but it seems to ring true. The Bucks right now, they're the favorite. They're the favorite to repeat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, NFL. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I mean, Things change, rearrange, and always are never the same when it comes to NFL because injuries matter. You know, things change. People, you know, all of a sudden fall out and, and they get, you know, have issues with the coaches. I mean, there's a lot of things that play into the idea of them going back to the Super Bowl. But on paper right now, 
they did everything they possibly could to keep as much in the house they could from the past team to the now to the now team, and they're looking like the favorite again, especially with Drew Brees retiring. And they're rebuilding themselves and re- reinventing themselves in, in New Orleans, especially. And clearly, Carolina, assuming they don't get Deshaun Watson, they're still in. Eh, they still kind of on the on the brink of rebuilding. And so are the Falcons, they're trying to get right as well. And that division is clearly the Bucks. And I and honestly, truly, with Russell having you know at odds with Pete, uh, who knows what the Fortnite is going to look like? You know, I don't tr- I don't trust the Rams or the Cardinals right now. You know, to be a contender, and they can't beat the Bucks in my opinion. You know, on paper. Uh, the Packers can't do it. Clearly, we saw that in the NFC title game, um, and nobody else in, in the NFC uh, North has even come close. And then just the NFC East is just a. Uh, I'm not gonna call it that. I'm not gonna call it the S show. I'm not gonna do it. It's 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 the worst division in in in, in the conference. So let's just say it that way. So clearly, they can't contend right now. So right now, they at least a favor to make it to Super Bowl. I mean, because look, look at this. Their franchise had Chris Godwin. They brought Grant back a one-year deal, uh, ten million. They re-signed Levante David to a multi-year deal, and then they paid Shaq Barrett. <laughs> so you mean to tell me, I got Vita Vea back? We don't know what they're going to have on the Dominic but They could probably get an interior lineman in the draft, lower in the draft. So we're fulfilling the Dominic role, right? <sighs> Vita Vea is back. JVP is back. Shaq Lawson's. Shaq, I mean, Shaq Barrett is back. Right, Levante David and Devin White is still in the secondary, and you got all the young boys are going to be a year older and a year wiser in the secondary. The defense still looking real good against the top ball. Top balls ain't gone nowhere. Offense, you got Gronk, Cameron Brait, and OJ Howard coming back. Not sure what they're doing running back. I mean, Fournette isn't back yet. Um, you know, I'm not sure he'll sneak in with a, another one year prove it or somebody else of that ilk. But still got Ronald Jones. Uh, still got Scotty Miller. And we're not sure what's going to happen with AB, but you still got Chris Godwin and you still got uh, Mike Evans and all those tight ends. That's way more than than Tom's ever had in New England. So it's looking really good for the Bucks. So the, the Bucks low-key stole the show for me because they not only, you know, restructured and moved money around and pushed cap and pushed contracts forward and, you know, reworked things enough to get the cap space enough to keep almost everybody. Hard to do. And they pulled it off. I got him impressed, especially with a down cap year. Got to give him credit for that. Got to give him credit for that. So that was definitely a good look for them. So looking at looking at the Bucks in the landscape of what's going to end up happening, they're clearly the favorite in the NFC. I'm not sure what AFC's favorite going to be right now. I mean, because I don't like the Chiefs right now because they did sign Joe Thune, um, but he's in a guard. I'm not sure if they're going to bring back um, – uh, Duvernay Tardif, so that would be nice interior. I mean, Kilgore or this, I'm, I'm not sure what they're doing at center either. And they got no tackles, and they got a decent interior line, but they still have no booking tackles. So, I mean, you got Von Miller, Joy Bosa, you know, uh, and I want to say the, the yeah, the Raiders got Yannick Nkakwe to, yesterday. So, you got all these pass rushers in the, in the conference now, in the division, coming after a team that don't have any tackles just yet. Now, yeah, you may be able to pull one off in the draft, but I mean, unless you throw money, you already threw all the money you had at restructuring room homes and things of that nature to throw at Tony because Tony got paid. He got paid big money. He's great. He deserves it, but he got paid big money. And and I don't know if you have anything left. I mean, you could draft him, but again, what are you going to do with replacing Fisher and, and Mitchell Schwartz? I mean, this, this is not going to happen with a rookie. So I'm curious. Like I said, they, that's going to be an issue for them. It really is. I don't know sure where they're going to find the money you know, to, to pay anybody else because Trent Williams is going to, anybody like that is going to drive up a hard bargain 
You know, he's not going to come for pennies. Even if he is have a chance to win the Super Bowl, he's not coming for pennies. He'll stay with San Fran for all that because they really want to keep him. So, I don't know. But, again, we know. We can call him the question who the AFC favorite is. But right now, to me, the NFC is the favorite. The NFC favorite right now is the Bucks. They can run it back and run it back with a really good roster. I'm here to tell you. Definitely here to tell you. So, in other news, uh, we're going to say that uh, um, Leonard Floyd reached a deal with the Rams to be to stay in in battle with uh, Aaron Donald for pass rush supremacy in L.A. for the Rams. He got a $64 million deal. The Chargers made a lot of news. I was, I'm very surprised. It was kind of slow in the beginning of the day, but towards the middle of the end of the day, they made some moves. They got Matt Fodder, a guard from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was really good. Uh, they, re-signed, they signed Corey Lindsley, uh, the, the center from the – uh, Packers. Um, so they now they have. I feel like they've been trying to steal everybody uh, for the Packers that's been good in recent years. I mean, Bakhtiari hadn't signed that long term deal with them. He might be trying to get him too because they got Brian Balaga last year. He's our right tackle. Um, now they got Corey Lindsley, uh, all pro tackle, all pro center for uh, the Chargers now. So he's got a mega deal. He got paid big money. Um, we had it. I mean, we're third most cap space uh, available this year. So we had it. So clearly, so we got Filer. We got. Uh, Lindsay, we got Balaga. So uh, three out of the five positions are, are filled. Um, will they take a tackle in the draft? Uh, Panay Sewell, maybe, or um, Tucker, you know, may take him as well. That's a, He's the interior line more so. But, um, but yeah, will they take another one? Or make a flyer Trent Williams? I mean, they got the money, you know. So will they make a flyer Trent Williams in draft offense or defense? You know, I still think their secondary selling issue for us. I mean, we did resign Michael Davis. Um, he's a nice, fast uh, corner, so he'll play probably play the outside with uh, Chris Harris. So we need a, a good slot and maybe a good nickel or dime corner um, to fill those areas that we got left by Chris uh, by Casey Hayward being released. Um, that was an interesting thing. I like Casey. I love Casey being with us for the last uh, five seasons. But uh, I guess him and Tom Colesco had a little bit of an impasse because uh, he didn't want to restructure his deal to fill some cap space. So he decided he wanted to stay where his number was. So he, Telesco basically said that, yeah, the restructure, we got to cut you. And he didn't want to restructure, so he decided to take his release. So, you know, the shots up to him, and I hope he gets uh, land somewhere well, somewhere good where he can play his last few years of his career, you know, in a good place. But, you know, we definitely got to shore up the secondary. We get Darwin back. Um, we want to see Nasir Ali play free safety for us, hopefully, um, be that guy we was hoping he would be from drafting him two years ago. But, yeah, I'm still looking for a pass rusher to go alongside with Joey Bosa, and I'm still looking for a secondary member um, and maybe a slot receiver. And curious, we're really, really curious what Tom Kolesko is doing, doing the draft because I will give him credit, man. You know, what's been happening on the field has not been under control based, based on coaching, but personnel-wise, he's been really really good as a GM so far, man. Definitely got to give him kudos. I mean, he's seizing the moment. I definitely give him credit for seizing the moment and saying that he knows that Justin Herbert is the franchise. He's going to be good, you know, and he's only going to be as good as his protection. So he went out and decided to get some good, solid O-linemen. And I feel like he might make another move here to disrupt that O-line because we revamping it the whole way because Trey Turner was gone, was cut. Um, you know, at no cost to us because he was traded to us, so we didn't have any cap penalty there. So he, re- in my opinion, he didn't really want to play here. I think he was mad about the whole fact that he got traded from Carolina. So, and then his just body language and his, his ability to not be on the field constantly and milking injuries, in my opinion, he never just really wanted to be on the field. He really, I very rarely saw him the entire season in 16 games. Probably played about a quarter of the season. You know, and paying a guy 11 million to play a quarter of the season is not worth it, in my opinion, no matter how good he is. So, got to move on from him. Um, so, we're looking at, uh, of course, Pouncey retired. So, we definitely got to 
you know, do some work as far as uh, retooling the O-line, but maybe one more move for the O-line or in a draft or free agency. And then, uh, yeah, show up that defense, man, and we should be good to go on the Brandon Staley. Like it. Like the move so far. So, of course, we talked about Shaq Barrett. The Browns landed John Johnson, the Rams' uh, safety from – they landed him to help in that defense. Now, that's interesting for them because I'm not sure what they did with Carl Joseph but they and Ronnie Harrison, but they had Grand Delphi coming back um, – off injury because he was a rookie that drafted last year that hadn't played yet because he had a season injury so that'd be good for to see Grand Delpit and John Johnson playing in the secondary along with Denzel and Greedy so the Browns are trying to get better um the Broncos picked up Sherry Harris Jason Verrett went to the 49ers back on a one-year deal so that was good uh like I said we talked about Tony we talked about Barry going back to uh go, Tony going to the Chiefs and Barry going to the uh back to the Bucks so that was good that was good moves so but uh yeah man I just I'm just marveling at the fact that you know, all these moves that were made and teams have definitely changed their fortune, you know, starting, you know, day one, you know, close these uh, particular contracts would go official on Wednesday. But so far, man, Aaron Jones went back to the Packers, which is a good move. I mean, they had to keep one. They, I think they only had enough money to keep Lindsley or Jones and they opted to keep Jones. So he did that. Uh, <laughs> we talked about John New. Cam is back. Uh, Yana get the Raiders. Carl Lawson went to the Jets. They did it. They, um, I think they got him and Corey Davis. Um, so that was a pretty good uh, move the Jets made in the first day. Um, so I would say that, yeah, Corey Davis is in the Jets, uh, so along with Carl Lawson. They got a pass rusher and a wide receiver, which is good. Um, and I think, think Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson went to the Bengals. That's another notable signing. So um, along with that, uh, I want to say that the people that were tagged in last week were Taylor Mouton for the Panthers, Allen Robinson tagged by the Bears, Chris Galvin by the Bucks, uh, Marcus Williams by the Saints, Marcus May by the Jets, Cam Robinson by the Jaguars, Brandon Scherf by the Red, uh, Watch the Football Team, was going to say Redskins. Justin Simmons was tagged by the Broncos, and Leonard Williams was tagged by the Giants, so they're all going to stay. Uh, so notable still people still out here, and I'm hoping that we can get him back. But Hunter Henry's still out there, tight end. So he, there was rumored to go to the New England Patriots, but they opted to take John New. So hopefully Hunter can come back to the Chargers. Uh, Chris Carson's still out there. Kenny Galladay, Matt Breida, uh, A.J. Green, William Jackson, Juju. He was rumored to maybe go somewhere else. He think he told somebody in Pittsburgh that he's likely going to sign somewhere else, but he hadn't said yet where yet. Avery Williamson's still out there. T.Y. Hilton, Will Fuller, Malik Hooker. Uh, Desmond King, Clowney, that's an interesting signing. See who might pick him up. Uh, Gabe Jackson, uh, Keanu O'Neill, and Curtis Samuels. Uh, Malcolm Butler as well, still out in the wind. You got Shaq Griffin out there. Um, it seems like Shaq Griffin is definitely a far apart in his negotiation with the Seattle Seahawks. So he could be a notable name the Chargers could maybe pick up if, if Tom Klesko, if you're listening. Uh, pick Shaq Griffin up is a good corner. Uh, Trip Williams is still waiting on his deal. Um, hopefully the 49ers can resign him. If not, he will be a uh, well-paid left tackle. Uh, Patrick Peterson still out there, along with Hashan Reddick and uh, Kenyon Drake and Sheldon Rankins. So those some definitely some notable names hadn't fallen yet. And then where would they land? And so we'll keep updating the sheet, obviously, and we'll keep track of who's who's going to land what and where. But, yeah, man, it's definitely uh, hot and heavy. And uh, it just getting started. Like People still got money. So we're going to break down real quick about the top 10 people who have, have caps still. And uh, we'll, before we uh, move on, but... Um, but yes, the Jaguars, they made a signing here too. It wasn't really highly notable, quote unquote. Um, but they definitely, I think they signed one person, I feel like. But they still got the highest number of caps, you know, uh, when it comes down to uh, the amount of money they have. I'm curious what they are waiting on. Or is it just that people don't want to play 
for a rebuilding team? I'm not sure. I mean, because like I said, these names I've written off, they're, they're highly covered in names, highly covered in names. So the Jaguars are still up there. Um, the Patriots are second. The Jets are third. The Colts are now fourth. The Bengals are fifth. The football team who pick up his Fitz Magic to yesterday, they got him. So there was that. So Jaguars one, Patriots two, Jets three, Colts four, Bengals five, football team six, Broncos seven, the Chargers now eighth. Uh, Dolphins are nine, Panthers are 10 now, Browns is uh, 11, 49ers are 12, Cardinals are 13, Cowboys, Seahawks, Ravens, Titans, Texans, Bucks, and Vikings, then the Chiefs. So yeah, I mean, uh, people that can, you know, pretty much got, you know, five to six to seven millions left in effective cap space. So we'll see who's going to um, make moves and who's how these negotiations going to go in the next few days. But uh, yeah, it was a good first day, though. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And we'll see what's going to happen on this Tuesday and going forward into Wednesday when things become official. But yeah, that was great, great news for free agency so far. So good, man. So I have to talk about the Texans, man. I, I really do. I, I, I hate to keep talking about it. And before I get into this, I want to talk about Von Miller real quick. You know, they still haven't made a decision on him. Um, you know, they were talking about where they're going to release him. Then they were talking about they're going to keep him. He's got a high cap number on him right now. So, you know, it's it's, it's a tough decision for the Broncos to do. But it's, if they keep him, I'll tell you, Patrick Mahomes is trouble, man. We got Vaughn, you got Bradley Chubb, you got uh, Bosa, whoever we get on the other side as an edge rusher. You got Yannick and Gawkway now and the Raiders. Hey man, <laughs> if I were them, I would keep him. But I mean, not that I'll be mad if he don't get, we don't have to see him from a Chargers perspective. But yeah, he's definitely a guy that they're gonna look to try to figure out what they're gonna do with him. Definitely that. So yeah, so um, but yeah, I, like I said, I gotta talk about the Texans, man. Uh, it's it's rough. To, it's rough to say or talk about, you know, because they just keep fumbling and fumbling and fumbling and fumbling the bag, man. Literally, when it comes down to Deshaun. I said they 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 traded away to Bernardrick McKinney, right? They did get Shaq Lawson, and 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 it's kind of a swapping thing for JJ Watt to Shaq Lawson. They got Shaq Lawson. Uh, they got uh, Kamu Grugere Hill, uh, for linebacker. I, I know I butchered his name, but you know it is what it is. Uh, yeah, they got um Greg Mance. Uh, so they're making moves. Like I said, let JJ Watt go. They got they traded Bernardrick McKinney away. They got Shaq Lawson now. Mark Ingram came over in a, in a in a friendly deal as a running back. You know, I think they re-signed um Ronald Hargraves. I think I saw that news. Um they got a guard from by the name of Justin McCray from the from the Falcons. So like I'm just they got PJ Hall. I'm just looking at these guys. They they're making moves and they're trying to, you know, revamp their roster, quote unquote. But again, what are we doing? What are we doing with uh what are we doing with Bodashan? You know, that's the question. You know, and they I interviewed the coach, and he this before the coach even interviewed though. Sean flat out told you that I don't want to play for you anymore. I don't want to wear your, I don't want to wear your jersey anymore. Point blank, period. And you haven't decided to do anything or take any serious calls about trading him, right? You know, now the coach is saying that you know he's our guy for now. And then typically, when I've heard that in the past, that means we're going to trade and we're just looking for the right deal. But the window was closing. You have to understand that the window was closing. People are starting to you know, buy into their quarterbacks. You know, people are signing. Like I said, Fitz Magic got signed. Cam got signed. Look like Jimmy G's going to stay. We don't know who knows where the, uh, Darnold's going to go. He's the only person that's kind of out there kind of, you know, in the wind. You know, clearly the Panthers want to move off of Teddy, but they'll give you Teddy, but you're not willing to deal. All they offer you the world, I don't. I just don't understand. 
You know, I mean, it's people that have honestly, truly have made moves and you're going to probably see this. And I'm, I'm going to make a bold ticket as well. You'll probably see the Rams do a little bit better for themselves uh, with Stafford than they did with golf. And they made that move and moved off golf and live with the cap hit for one year in order to make a better way for themselves in the long run. You know, same thing with uh, the Lions and getting all those picks. They're going to be good in the long run. They're going to be able to rebuild their franchise. You know, and I'd lay it out for you exactly what you can do. You have Chris, you will have Christian McCaffrey as a good running back along with David Johnson and Mark Ingram. It's a great backfield. Teddy Bridgewater is your quarterback. You know, Brian Burns is another edge rusher going along with Shaq Lawson. You got two good edge rushers. You know, find yourself a middle line back in the draft or free agency. That's a good team. Like, it's a way better team than you had last year. And that's, you know, you can compete with that team all on top of the fact that you have draft capital to rebuild your, rebuild the holes that you're missing, you know, and to rebuild and revamp your team in the next two to three years. Next two to three years, you're going to be right back where you started from when Deshaun was at his height. But you don't want to make moves. So, and, and, my, and my thing is this, and I ask this question, yeah, is you trying to do all these things to make Deshaun kind of buy back in? No. No, that's I, I, I asked that I asked that question myself and I, and I pose it here. But I, as I talk about it, it, it's becoming more and more clear to me that no, because these moves you're making are not going to blow Deshaun away enough to say that maybe I'll try it another year. It's not happening because you didn't you didn't address the O line for real yet. And I'm I'm just thinking to myself, unless you just you know, I don't think you have the money to spend in order to be able to acquire somebody like uh, Trent Williams, so you don't have that sewn up. And 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 I want to say uh, Tunsil plays the same position, so you can't you can't honestly think that Trent Williams is going to switch positions. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you got Marcus Cannon. I mean, okay, fine, you got Marcus Cannon. He's a you know, so I guess. Maybe they are, honestly, truly. And let's look at this. They got Cannon, they got Tunsil, right? You know, mm, maybe, 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 just maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Cannon is a, is a good is 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 a good uh is a good tackle. I mean, I'm not gonna take anyone away from him. He's definitely a, a Pro Bowl caliber uh uh want to say tackle, but. I just don't understand if you don't, if you understand the height, the, the, the actually understand the issue of the situation. You should know at this point that Deshaun doesn't want to play, you know, and I, I just don't. Yeah, Tunsil and Cannon does make it better. It does make it better. I, I will say that. So I think I think that's what the issue is. They're trying to make Deshaun happy. Give him two bookend tackles, you know, with Cannon and, and Tunsil. Got that. At that, and you know, got a center now. So you know, I, I mean, I guess if you pull in a couple of receivers, maybe you know, because Will Fuller's gone, he's in free agency, he's in the win, so he probably signed with somebody else. You know, because Kenny Stills and Brandon Cooks are just not these guys. I mean, you know, you probably need a solid tight end and two good receivers to make him even think about it. But I, I guess this is what they're doing. I, I have to say, I just have to say it as I break it down. The brass taxes there with the, the moves they're making, they're trying to do their best. You know, maybe they in secret they asked Deshaun what will make you happy and make you want to come back to us. And he said, you got to give me O-line and weapons on offense. Outside of that, I'm not even considering it. And maybe that's what they're doing. That's Maybe that's what they're doing because they've sneaked secretly. I mean, we just so out on them. We, we don't even pay attention to the idea of the fact that they've upgraded their line because they got Marcus Cannon. Like I said, he's on the, he's on the right side. And they got Laramie Tunsil on the left side. They had him for a couple of years. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's better. I mean, I give it to them. It's better. You know, they got Greg Mance from uh, – they trade, no, actually trade Greg Mance to the, to the Ravens, so he's gone. But, you know, they let Nick Martin go, so he still have a center. They got two booking tackles, but you still got to address the interior line. So maybe they will to come in weeks and free agency on the draft, and hopefully they can figure it out. I mean, but, again, the cap money isn't, isn't, isn't great either. So uh, I have to say that it's, it's definitely a situation where you could – if you, if you had everything, you got $10 million in cap at this point. And you, you probably can pull one, you one other, get you one more weapon from offensive perspective, or you can get one more lineman. And that's it. And then the rest of you got to draft. But if you traded Deshaun, you can still keep all of that and get more capital back and make it seem that much better. I just don't understand. It makes, it's too cut and dry and too clear for me for the attempt to do it, but they just won't do it. That's my problem. Like, that's my problem. So that's, that's the issue. So. I don't know what they're gonna do, but again, the longer you wait, the less likely you're gonna get anything for him that you need or gonna be willing to be comfortable with parting with and not be uh, giving away for pennies. But I mean, again, I'm not a Texas organization, so it's, it's just tough to tough sledding. But I hope Deshaun gets his wish because I think he's a really good quarterback and he needs to be somewhere where he can be protected and flourish and be fulfill his potential as a good a franchise quarterback, in my opinion. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, great, great overall, great uh, first, you know, day and a half of uh, free agency. And we're going to see, you know, in the next week, you know, before we talk again, we'll have about what these teams look like and who's truly and ultimately going to win the free agency battle and how they're going to look and competing in next season. What they can look forward to the draft because I'm anxious for the draft, man. What's the draft? What's tomorrow? I can't wait. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. Love the draft. Love the love free agency. Love these transactions. I love the draft time frame, you know, and then we can get into the summertime, get into OTAs and see how these teams are going to look. But yeah, but that's going to wrap up the NFL segment, man. Stay tuned for Lakers Locker Room. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with Lakers Locker Room. It's Lockdown Divas Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh, man, let's talk about Lakers news, man. Let's talk about these last few games that we played. We only had two in the last week and the last time we spoke. Um, we had the Pacers and the Warriors over the weekend and Monday night. So uh, those two games, we went 2-0. Uh, just to give the good news about the whole situation, we did go 2-0. Pacers game was a little bit of a nail-biter, but um, the, I want to say the Warriors game, uh, it was a little bit rough for the Warriors, let's just say that. Um, but yeah, but let's break it down real quick. Let's talk about it. Um, let's first start with the Pacers on Friday night. Uh, they gave us a big game, man. They gave us a they gave us a lot to worry about, especially early on. Like I said, Brogdon was major, major in that game, the first half. You know, and I found it as a trend. You know, their lead guards, Steph Curry, Brogdon, Devin Booker, you know, Donovan Mitchell, a lot of these guys that shoot well and they're really good offensively. In the games that we've won, they've gotten, you know, even Damon Lillard, we've gotten 
uh, they've got going in the first half, but we've limited them in the second half, which has been it's been keys to victories for us. So, but that's that's been good. And they've been definitely giving us problems early on, but down the stretch we've limited them. Because like prime example, um, playing Steph last night, uh, Steph had twenty in the first, but he only ended up with twenty seven in the, in the game. You know, I think that what happened to Damian a few little a few few weeks ago. You know, he had like twenty four in the fourth. You know, first half and he only ended up with thirty. You know, so they limited these guys in the second half, which is really good, which means we're stepped up by defensive prowess, which is really good. But, you know, like I said, starting with the Pacers game, you know, I, Brogdon, Sabonis, them boys, you know, a lot of the role players were hitting threes, you know, at a high clip, high clip, you know, and, you know, giving us a really big time run for our money. You know, uh, what what was the key in the second half was our defense stepped up big. Um, you know, we limited the perimeter guys from being really, really effective. And we started to get our uh, role players involved, and namely Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> Kyle Kuzma, and Montrezl Harrell. Uh, I think you know with Dennis Schroeder pick and roll in with Trez really well, and him and Trez feeding off Kuzma's drives and putbacks and things of that nature was key for Trez um, in a big victory against the Pacers. But Kuz, overall, man, is I'm really impressed with his maturation, and I just hope it continues because you know he was going to be sorely needed, you know, in down the stretch. You know, especially when we finally get AD back. You know, we need that that dominant third guy that can step up. And I think he's really coming to his own and he really is accepting his role and he's trying to be the best defender and uh third score, third to fourth score that we have, which is a really good thing. Really good thing to have. So uh like I said, the key the keys in the game was truly, you know, LeBron was picking the spots all throughout the game, which he's been doing all all season. It's just, at least with AD has gone. AD has been when he AD's been out, he's been picking the spots about when he wants to score and be and be dominant. But I will say this, you know, he's definitely doing a superb job of building the confidence of our role players. You know, we were missing Caruso um, after the first half in the pace game because he went down with a concussion. Um, hit the floor really hard as wild, but um, he's in concussion protocol right now. But I would definitely, I definitely like what I see, you know, especially with Marcus all being out of contact tracing. You know, I think that Kuzma and Trez confidence building, then the shooters confidence building. The only person I'm really missing right now is KCP. Now he was really missing against the Pacers yet again, but he showed up against the Warriors. He showed up against the Warriors, and I gotta give him credit for that. He shot well from three. You know, he definitely uh showed the showed me the KCP that I need to see on a nightly basis. He showed me the KCP that we had in the playoffs, and I need that to continue. You know, so those all those things continue. We continue to play defense, and then hopefully we can start to play defense better in the first half as well and not be either down or be in a dogfight. We'd be much better off. Now, I get it. It's four quarters of the game, and ideally, you know, it would be nice to play from one to four, but if we have to play solid defense in the second half and still win games, that's fine. But, you know, it, it come to playoff time, you want to be able to play lockdown defense, pun intended, you know, for four quarters and to not have yourself – in a situation where if you're not making your shots or you're doing things that aren't of the norm, you know, in playoffs, you don't lose games like that. You don't want to lose games like that just because you slack off on things you can do nightly on a nightly basis and that's play defense. So overall, like I said, I like the game, you know, like the second half against the Pacers, we did really well with our pick and roll game and our, and our uh, playoff of each other when uh, Schroeder was playing off and Trey's playing off each other and Kuzman was being active on the, on the boards and, and being that, uh, looking for this shot when LeBron was getting double teamed. So that was a good thing. And when they played the Warriors, like I said, Steph went off in the first half. But again, that the problem I talked about earlier with that team is that the fact that they don't get consistent play from their role players. Wiseman was ordinary la last night. So was Draymond and others, Oubre. 
So they were real ordinary. Steph was good, as he always is, but he can't be the only guy. He can't be the only guy. Now, let's hope Clay Thomas comes back for his sake, man. I just I just hate to see it. But, again, I mean, it was like a 30-point victory for us. I mean, you know, it, we started probably about around the second quarter. We started to take, you know, charge, and we just bulldozed them, you know, from second quarter throughout the fourth. And, like I said, it was a, a plus 30 victory. You know, Brian had a triple-double. You know, Montrez played well. Kuz played well. You know, Keezy P had a good game. You know, so, hey, even shorthanded, if we can play that well, you know, against teams like that, hey, man, got to get those games that, you, that you're supposed to win. You got to win those, so. Definitely, like I said, defense is definitely keeping us in it, and we can start to get uh, some consistency from our role players. And you know, cross your fingers for landing somebody like PJ Tucker or Andre Drummond after the buyout. I think we, I like our chances. I like our chances. So, um, you know, sorry as far as AD is concerned, I think that the A update is now is that he's probably gonna be out another two, three more weeks, and which is gonna probably put us in mid to late April. Which is, I think, honestly, truly, if I had to, if I had to guess, if I had to bet. Right now, I think he's going to come back late April. And I say that because it's going to give him enough games because the season ends mid-May. So that's going to give him enough games to get himself in basketball shape, give him enough time to rest that leg as long as possible, and to make the stretch run. Because I look at the schedule. Like, so we got a game, a, a, a tough game here and there, but it's not consistent. So, you know, we win games like this against the Warriors, and we got the Hornets, the Hawks, and the Suns coming up, and the Timberwolves in the next week. So, I mean, I feel like we can beat the Timberwolves, the Hornets, and the Hawks, you know, with the, with the way we've been playing. Now, the Suns game's going to be a tough one. I'm going to be glued to the TV for that one because I really want to see how we're going to fare with the lineup we have against the Suns. But overall, I, I like our chances with our schedule the way it is. So he can come back in that time frame, um, play about 10 games or maybe more, and uh, and just get his, get his feet under him, get his strength back, and get his touch back. You know, playing, you know, end-to-end -end basketball, and I think we'll be fine, man. Like I said, it doesn't matter that we hover around one or two or three or four, you know, because like I said, you can play those scary teams like the Sun, like the Warriors or the um, with the team I, I just scored earlier. I want to say it was the Warriors and the Pelicans, you know, play scary teams like that and who's hot and playing really good basketball. You know, you don't want to see those, you know, teams that are kind of unpredictable. You know, so we'll play teams that we know we can beat, like the Blazers. You know, no, 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 no shade, but you know, we know we can beat the Blazers, if the, especially if they're not healthy. But I did hear Casey Collins was coming back, so that they're gonna be a problem too. So you know, regardless, of that I like our chances, man. I think we're gonna be all right. So yeah, so like I said, we this coming uh this week we got four games. We got the Timberwolves, Hornets, the Hawks, and Suns, and I think three of those four we should definitely win. I want to see how the Suns thing game lays, get lays out, but I want to beat them as well. Don't get it twisted. I want to beat them, especially how we lost to them. With Devin Booker list for the second half last game, so I definitely need that game to to get the W against them as well. So we'll see how it shakes out, man. But you know, you know, I like I like what we're doing. The team is is steady, it's steady. You know, it's not peaking, it's steady, it's constantly building. And I needed it to crest and peak at that moment when the playoffs get here, and we'll be fine. We'll be fine. That's what it's about. It's all about titles in LA, man. It ain't about nothing else. You had a regular season accolades and luggage jazz, but if you don't want the title, what was it about? So. Hey, man, that's it. That's all, man. But uh, that's going to do it for Lakers Locker Room, man. Stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeout. It's Lockdown Davis Podcast.
And we are back with the fourth quarter closeout of the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. I appreciate everybody's support listening to me and indulging me in this time. As always, like, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, you name it. We're doing it each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Sports Talk with Coach and Kirk goes live every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch.tv, forward slash Lockdown Davis Sports. Link everything that you need to know about the stream and the uh channel youtube social media all those good things are in the descriptions of these videos so check that out as well as youtube you have timestamps uh of the video you can f- click forward click back go to any segment that you want uh, you know you want to skip around and listen to certain things at certain times you can do that as well check out the description all the info is in there so i uh, appreciate everybody who's just been uh here with us just fine we gonna keep on going man episode 31 we're going into 32 all right, man, let's do the full quarter closeout. Let's give out awards, man, for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week, man. Let's do it. All right, so starters, we're going to do uh, Breakout Player of the Week. <laughs> and I, I'm almost like to the point where I'm just like, this guy's got to get off my stat sheet, <laughs> you know? And and that, and I'm really, truly, honestly understanding now why he's uh, – MVP and defensive player of the year, you know, on multiple occasions. It's it's just getting crazy right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo, man. In the last week, and since we spoke last, he's averaged a triple double, twenty nine point three points a game, twelve rebounds a game, and ten point three assists a game. Back to back triple doubles against the Wizards. I mean, what can you say? I mean, how can you not applaud and give that man kudos for averaging a triple double for the week, pretty much? So, yeah, I mean, doing this thing big, hot and heavy, you know, nobody has to answer for him right now. And then having Drew Holiday back, I keep telling people, man, that's been a catalyst because he's been playing much better uh, basketball since Drew Holiday's been back. Now, Drew has been a highly, you know, deep, dark contributor of the team just yet. He's trying to work his way back. But him being on the floor and taking that pressure off of him to be able to, you know, kind of play off ball and get to the rim and things of that nature has been giving Giannis a lot of leeway, a lot of freedom. So he's averaging triple-double, man. If he keeps this up, man, I still he's going to vie for that MVP and, and defensive MVP again this year because his defensive numbers are looking good as well. So uh, the second guy on my list was Jimmy Butler this week. Jimmy Butler is actually uh, playing really good uh, ball here. He's actually got his heat playing really good as well. They're starting to uh, come up in the ranks, and they might be getting back to that form that they were in in the bubble and leading themselves to the uh, to the title game last year against the Lakers. So in the last week, Jimmy's averaged 28 points a game, six rebounds, and 9.3 assists, almost averaging a double-double as well. So, yeah, Jimmy's been putting in a lot of work. I'll give him credit for being a uh, breakout player of the week this week. Now, another guy I'm almost like, you know, I just can't seem to get away from him is Rudy Gobert. You know, every time I check the stats, night in and night out, and he's on it, you know, defensively hot and heavy. A lot of rebounds. He had 20-some-odd rebounds one game. He had 41 rebounds in a totality of three games this is the past week. He has two steals and 10 blocks in three games. I think one game he had five or six or six blocks in one game. So it's just getting ridiculous, man. Somebody, somebody do something about Rudy, man. <laughs> like, other people want to shine, Rudy. That's the problem. Other people want shine. So you know, everybody, everybody wants to get on the stat sheet, man. You just, you just hating, man. You just, you just keep playing good defense basketball. So I just got to give it to you. So Rudy Gobert is one. Then my alternative is number two. My alternative is uh, playing pretty good defensively in the past week as well. He he pulled out twenty two rebounds and I believe two and a half, two games for the Pacers, uh, two steals and eleven blocks. So that makes him really impressive for Miles because Miles, I think he had a game less than Rudy and he pulled out eleven blocks. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing to these boys in, in driving to the paint, but, I mean, 10 blocks for Rudy and 11 blocks for Miles. 
definitely playing a lot of defense and keeping that basket from going in, ball going in the basket, man. Got to give him credit. So for Giannis, Jimmy, Rudy, and Miles, you get breakout player of the week and lockdown of the week. Shouts out to y'all. Now on the big dummy of the week. <laughs> Man, we talk about this in length in sports talk, but I, 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 it bears repeating. It definitely bears repeating. Uh, two people this past week have definitely been in the media for all the wrong reasons. Um, I'm going to start with a notable name in Miles Leonard. Miles Leonard was caught on live stream using a anti-Semitic term that's very, very derogatory to Jewish people in the Jewish community. Um, you know, he has since been fined and suspended uh, from the heat and fined by the NBA. But, um, yeah, man, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you honestly and truly, you know, let your true self come out, you know, when you get uh, flustered, emotional, you know, things of that nature and your true colors start to come out and lets me know that that's not the first time you've uttered those type of terms. So, because when you go that deeply rooted in that using the S word or the N word and things of that nature, you definitely trying to cut deep and you know exactly what it means and what it what it drives home as far as an, an emotional response from people that you're insulting. So, yeah, he's part one to that, you know, and I'm really not sure what, what that's going to mean when he does return to the team. You know, I'm not sure what the heat, how the heat going to receive him with especially the African-American and the, the Jewish owner that they have, you know, one of the Jewish owners that they have. He's I'm sure he's looking at him sideways. So uh, I would like to believe that he's not going to be there much longer if, he, if I had to guess. But we'll see. So the next person on my list is Matt Rowan. Matt Rowan is a girls basketball commentator in uh, the Midwest and um, a, t- a girls basketball team, high school basketball team. Uh, doing the playing of the national anthem, and I actually heard the whole clip today, and it was worse than I thought. Matt Rowan uh, was under uh, the microphone in commentary where he was going to come to the girls' basketball game. Now, understand what I'm saying when I say girls' high school basketball. These are underage girls. And these underage girls at the at the behind the courage of the Atlanta Dream and, and a lot of WNBA players that have been standing up or kneeling for racial injustice. They decided to do an playing of the national anthem. And typically what happens with commentators is that they introduce the fact that they're going to do the national anthem and they go dark, silent, microphone-wise, typically, but while that's playing. So you don't pick up any feedback while you can just appreciate the moment, right? Which is fine. But uh, somehow or another, the mic didn't get cut. And then when these girls from this one particular team who are largely African-American decided to kneel um, during the playing of the national anthem, uh, Matt Rowan decided to, him and his commentary buddy decided to share their uh views of them kneeling and um the one commentator whose name wasn't mentioned he basically said f them you know for kneeling right and then matt rowan decided to take it a step further and he said f them as well and called them effing inwards uh hoping they lose and get beat bad and they're effing inwards and uh you know again you let us into the uh, locker room per se of how racial racial race people that spew racist rhetoric let me say it that way are how they speak behind closed doors because you thought your mic was off and it wasn't and you got caught and you basically let us uh, let us into pull up curtain back and let us peek into the idea of what people that love to speak racist words and use racial connotations towards minorities talk in a segment when they think they're not being heard or recorded so so Matt Rowan and Miles Leonard, 
you both, deservingly so, get the Big Dummy of the Week award. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it up, man. I appreciate everybody's support as always, like I said, and I appreciate everybody that has like, comment, subscribe, and give me a feedback in your comments in the uh, in, on the YouTube video as well. Um, you know, like I said, check out the replay with Sports Talk and Coach and Curry. That goes live on Mondays at 11 a.m. In the as well as always, the podcast goes live on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts, and you anywhere, anywhere to get your podcast from uh, on 10 a.m. on Tuesday. So check that out. Let us know your feedback, and we appreciate y'all. But in the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.